Dr. Thomas Maples, and welcome back to A Sacred Journey. I'm really pleased that you joined me here today as we explore the construct of faith, psychology, and creating an oasis in the heart. As a mental health practitioner, I'm often faced with a conundrum of faith, a conundrum of hope, if you will, and create the ideal of creating hope um, in life, especially when things aren't necessarily going the way that someone would like. Many times I may receive questions to the nature of what a person could do when they feel that they don't have hope for the future or they feel that things may be hopeless. Now, this is a really important construct because being hopeless or having hopelessness or helplessness as well is really a key indicator of depression. In fact, it's one of the symptoms present um, that could lead to a diagnosis of clinical depression. And so as we begin to explore this idea of faith and finding an oasis in the heart, really what we're doing is trying to create movement towards a inner sanctum, one that um, is built upon a foundation of strength versus weakness. And so let us explore this construct a little further, especially as it relates to things such as depression, mental health problems like anxiety or depression that could arise when we begin to lose faith, we begin to lose hope in um, what is going on either externally or internally. Lebanese writer and poet Khalil Gibran once remarked that Faith is an oasis in the heart, which will never be reached by the caravan of thinking. Again, faith is an oasis in the heart, which will never be reached by the caravan of thinking. Leave it to a poet to call us out at the most foundational level of anxiety, that ideal behind thought which removes us away from heart the key aspect of faith, which in turn creates the capacity to move us from the anxiety and the depression that may be creating that sense of hopelessness. What a beautiful quote by Khalil Gibran. Wouldn't you agree? My first question to you as it would relate to creating hope and faith would be, do you have faith? Now, I know that may cause some dissension um, from standard psychological circles, especially those trained in empirical sciences and scientific methodology. But what I've found in practicing mental health for over 20 years is that Much of what is going on, this creation of anxiety that's prevalent and the stress, the hypertension, the heart disease, the mental, the physical aspects of what we see in the model of dis-ease or what we call disease happens upon really a lack of faith and a lack of direction in the movement of where we're going. 
And so what happens when we begin to examine faith as a construct, we can begin to remove, let's say, the religious implications, if that is what science was would have us do, and begin to define it by the Oxford Dictionary's um, definition and trust in one's ability or knowledge or trust that someone or something will do what has been promised. That is an ideal of faith. It's a human ideal of faith. It's not um, necessarily superordinate or related to God within that capacity. Now, everyone has their own beliefs. Psychology is more of a science, but there are aspects of specific models and methods of psychology, theories, if you will, that do take into account the more spiritual dynamics that are present. Now, personally, I tend to view faith as being both a personal and a superordinate. Now, the second um, the second definition Oxford gives of faith is the ideal that it is a strong religious belief. That is a strong belief rooted in a construct that's superordinate, something that we may not see. Now, even though the battles between um, religion and science have been well documented and established for well over, let's see, since the 1400s, so about 600 years, what happens is when we begin to look at the divisions present, especially in today's society, we can see this is not really rooted in something that's altogether new. These divisions have really existed with us for millennia, centuries at least within documented history. Now, if we move back to the idea behind the definition of faith, we could see that it's all about trust. It doesn't have to be necessarily linked to divine or human origins. It could be both. And if we look, examine it from a Buddhist philosophy, especially in the ideal of Atman being part of Brahman and vice versa, Brahman being within Atman, what we begin to see is that... A journey unfolds as it relates to creating trust in the superordinate, whether it, if I examine it from the ideals behind Carl Jung's, like what I call the big S or capital S self versus the small S self, which is the ego, we begin we begin to see that there's some superordinate that we're all moving towards. And really it begins to boil down to our trust in the psyche's capacity and our capacity to begin to move towards that um, superordinate, even if it means putting the putting down the ways that consciousness works in this divisive aspect of systematizing things that may create division within and division without. And so faith is really this ideal behind creating a deeper trust in something that is known or unknown. So that leads to the question... How do hope and mental health integrate with one another? 
Over the years, I've seen that many symptoms common to diagnoses, especially what we would consider uh, nervous system diagnoses or neuroses, really stem from this idea of a lack of hope or hopelessness. In fact, one of the major symptoms of major depressive disorder is a lack of hope or hopelessness. But this doesn't stop necessarily with the depression or the depressive um, diagnoses. In fact, you could see hope being a major premise for almost any, or a lack of hope um, being a major premise for any mental health disorder because it taxes the system at the anxious um, level, at the anxiety level, at the nerve level. And that's why in um, historical context, the idea of nervous system disorders were called neuroses. When we begin to lack hope, we begin to lack the belief that something will be greener on the other side or the grass will not be greener if we nurture it where we're at. We always hear terminology such as the grass is greener on the other side, but oftentimes when we engage in that type of ideology, what ends up happening, we move from pasture to pasture to pasture, but we don't necessarily water or nurture the things that we have present in the here and now. And that's an opposite reaction from the oasis in the heart that we're looking for. When we begin to nurture what we have, when we begin to show gratitude for what is there, we naturally begin to hone our attention to the things that hopefully will create more abundance in our life. And when we're proactive in identifying those things that bring nurturance and bring um, abundance to our lives, we ultimately end up learning the skills to create more. So it's the ideal behind watering the tree to produce fruit, which will one day feed you. In recent years, the idea of hope has also been a prevalent topic, especially as it relates to world leaders. In an address by President Barack Obama to the United Nations during his presidency, he spoke of choosing hope over fear. A segment of the speech reads, quote, We choose hope over fear. We see the future not as something out of our control, but as something we can shape for the better through concerted and collective effort. We reject fatalism or cynicism when it comes to human affairs. We choose to work for the world as it should be, as our children deserve it to be. That speech shows someone that's full of hope. And even to this day, like him or not, he does have an oasis of hope in the heart. Now, things shift winds change. And if we keep the oasis of hope in the heart, it's not a aspect of bringing a person or a group of people to one side versus the other. It's more of a creation of a spa safe space within 
that can help one to be grounded in the here and now, despite what's happening externally. We can find a temple in our heart only when we find our heart in a temple and vice versa. We can't find a temple in our heart if we've never had a temp- our heart in a temple. And so what happens here is we work these dichotomies as a means to find grounding. And we could shape anything that we really want through working these cornerstones of the imaginal in conjunction with physically moving towards the elements of our dream that begin to call upon us. As the former president said, we could shape for the better through a concerted and collective effort, but that takes effort in order to create. So what can we do when we lack hope? As I've said earlier, one symptom of depression is hopelessness or helplessness. While many interventions exist that can help us re-engage our inner belief and fortitude, hope emerges through concerted effort in a means to engage the very nature of our psyche. That's to find the middle ground present to the poles, the collective inner pulling we have to understand the beauty and the depths of the soul that ultimately leads us to the spirit of hope. A few steps you can take is to jot down a vision. A vision is a driving force that ultimately can give you direction. But it can only give you direction if you break it down by steps. A vision is that point in the future that is not yet attained. But when you break it down in steps, you can begin to create the means by which you could begin to feel successes in the moment, which are hope-building experiences. Once you have one success behind you, you're also one step further towards the vision that's present. And once that is attained, you can move on to steps two, three, four, and so on, how many ever steps that there are. If you repeat these steps, you will be successful in your endeavor, but it will take time, and that's where we have to work with that all-present ideal of patience that is very difficult at times to work with because the natural tendency of the human psyche is to be impatient, but patient develops with time and taking the steps needed over time to create that vision into reality, which creates in turn hope, which creates in turn the opposite effect of what anxiety and depression are. Try these steps as a system to reaffirm the belief your soul needs. As President Obama said, to choose hope, we must engage through an individual and collective effort to negate the fatalism and cynicism that is rampant today. I hope that love and blessings find you, my friends. May your journey towards hope be found through faith, hard work, 
and the beauty that arises as you identify, chart a course, and advance confidently in the direction of your dreams. Thank you, and goodbye for now.